The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. We are back. The long wait. It's over. The PGA Tour is back in action this week. What's going on, everybody? I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He's Peter Jennings from Fantasy Labs. This is the Action Network podcast presented by Bet MGM. And we've got PGA Tour golf for the next 37 weeks, Peter. I can't wait. I, I will be very honest with you. I, I am not as much of a golf geek as everybody thinks I am. That's all I tweet about. That's all I write about. I, I have covered it for a long time, but I'm fired up. I, I mean, just give us a month off. Give us a month to get away from it just a little bit. And all of a sudden, you, you, you kind of miss it a little bit more. So I'm fired up to, to get this thing going back, fired up to get some bets down and to uh, talk about everything going on at Kapalua for the Century Tournament of Champions this week. So how are you? Happy New Year. Hope you had a great holiday. And uh, how fired up are you for this week's tournament? Yeah, happy New Year to you, Jason. Uh, certainly stoked to be back on the podcast. And uh, yeah, very excited for the PGA Tour. But I'd be a little more fired up, to be honest, if uh, you know we weren't in a pandemic and we were on property. I mean, we've been campaigning to go to Hawaii. I mean, I don't know how we're not there other than the pandemic, but uh, if we were there, I mean, this is the, the golf tournament. You're always excited to come back and watch PGA Tour golf, but every time you're watching, you're just like, why am I not in Hawaii right now? Like, what did I do wrong in my life that I'm not in Hawaii right now? Because it just looks so glorious and just like, I mean, I personally love Hawaii and just the, uh, you know, the obviously it's beautiful there, but the people and just the the mood in Hawaii is different. And obviously this is a great experience for these guys. It's a reward for winning a golf tournament. I know we have a little bit different field than we've had in the past, but uh, kudos to all the guys that are there. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. We're the best players in the world. And it'll be fun to see where everyone's at with their golf game. So you're absolutely right. And I've covered this event six or seven times in the past. We stay at the Ritz Colton Kapalua. Uh, you take a little shuttle ride right over the golf course. They uh, they start late every day. They end early. The, you know, you go sit on the beach and have some breakfast and watch the waves. And then after they finish, you go catch the sunset and uh, you maybe go over this little, nice little sushi place right there. I mean, it is people always ask me like, hey, what's your favorite event on the tour to cover? And it's like the Masters. Yeah, the Masters is great. Don't get me wrong. U.S. Open. Eh, those are pretty long days. I mean, this is it. Kapalua, that, it don't get any better than that. Uh, this is the one that I would uh, take over any others. And so um, not only, though, is there great scenery, not only is it uh, a great place to be, but I've always said that when you're there, you can get a pretty good sense of who's put on 10 pounds over the holidays and haven't touched their clubs in a while and uh, and who is there for a business trip. And, and I think over the next uh, next 30 minutes or so here on the podcast, uh, we're going to try to um, at least take some educated guesses at, as to which players are there for work this week and which players are there for fun. And for me, the biggest metric for this event is motivation. Uh, driving distance is great. It's a big golf course. Uh, strokes gained, approach shots. Yes, we always want guys who are ball strikers. Putting, sure. Uh, make some putts for me this week. But for me, it's all about how much do you want to be there? How much are you grinding and have you brought the entire extended family? They're guys with uh, wife and kids and 
parents and grandparents and in-laws and cousins and aunts and uncles. And then there are guys who just say, you know what? I'm just going to show up and play some really good golf and try to get a head start on the entire year. And so we're going to try to identify some of those players that we can uh, put a little money on this week. Yeah, I agree. And um, you look at the odds, obviously the odds are short because it's a small field and you're talking a little pre-pod. I agree with you. I do think for the most part, it's going to be one of the top end guys just because we have them all here. No cut 42 guys. Uh, I'd be shocked if it wasn't one of the top 10 to 12 names that wins this thing. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think you're going to find a guy from way back in, in the pack who is going to win this thing. That said, if I you want to go after one of the big names, I mean, DJ is what plus 650, I believe, to, to kick off the week as we're speaking right now. And uh, Justin Thomas right behind him at eight to one, John Rahm at eight to one. And I guess we can start there by getting into some of these names. Obviously, it's tough not to like Dustin Johnson. He's played really well here in the past. He's got a couple of wins, really likes this place. Justin Thomas, you can say the same thing. He's got a few wins here. Then you get to John Rom. John Rom specifically is a guy that I want to talk about because it was announced this week that he has left TaylorMade and moved to Callaway, and we all know. I mean, there's this sort of scarlet letter for all these guys that every year go chasing the money and change equipment manufacturers. I don't think it's going to be a really difficult transition for John Rom. But then again, I didn't think it was going to be a difficult transition for, I don't know, guys like Justin Rose and Bubba Watson and Brooks Kepko over the year. I, you know, it's just uh, some guys have struggled with it more than others. And uh, there's at least reason for a little pessimism right now. If you're looking into camp Rom saying, Hey, this guy's the number two player in the world. We expect him to win a major pretty soon. Um, what do you think about John Rom moving companies what do you think about him this week in the short term and what do you think about him long term first off rose moved to like a you know a high-end like not proven brand i don't even remember what they were called but honda yeah yeah a little different and, and bubba i think you, you i know he's moved clubs but the big one i thought was absolutely insane was moving away from the pro v1x yeah to uh whatever the volvic he was playing no one shapes the ball more than bubba and i imagine the golf ball is more important to him than basically any player on the pga tour so you know, those are two examples, but there are plenty of other examples between Callaway and TaylorMade and, and, and some of the mainstream brands. Uh, and we've seen different results. My sense with John Rahm, I mean, he cares most about his golf game. I don't think he's making like a short-term money grab necessarily. I think he's going to make so much money throughout his career. My hope and my assumption is that he's moving to Callaway because he thinks he's going to get better performance. You know, he's obviously close with Phil Mickelson. He helped, you know, John get his career off and they, they have a lot of people that are intertwined between the two of them from a business sense. So maybe that's part of it, but my guess is it's not going to be a huge impact. Maybe you dock him a little bit for DFS. This is the type of narrative that I'd like to buy, hoping that other people are fading it. And I do think at the top for DFS, John Rahm will have lower ownership than like JT and DJ and, and, and probably Bryson just because, you know, uh, DJ and JT have a lot of great history here and, and Bryson hits the ball miles. So I'm fine with it. it. It is, you know, it's not what I would choose as someone who's, you know, got a lot of John Rom stock. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't like to see him sh- uh, change clothes, but I, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. And my hope is that he's making this, cho- this choice based on performance and not for money. Surprise, surprise. Peter Jennings loves John Rom. Yeah. And, and I think that's the main takeaway here is that, you know, we can say chasing the money, so to speak, but, uh, every single player, it doesn't matter whether you are number one, have been number one, want to be number one, but they believe that they can improve. 
And so they make these moves, not just because some company says, hey, here's a nice paycheck we can hand you right now and then you can go play golf with our stuff. It's because they think that that company's equipment is going to make them a better player in the long run. And uh, who are we to say that it's not going to work for John Rahm? Who, who are we to say that uh, John Rahm is not going to pick up some Callaway clubs and instantly become a better golfer somehow? So uh, maybe it can happen. I, I kind of like your way of thinking. I mean, he was my big fade in my preview column this week just because I, I at least want to see him a little bit with the new sticks before I start saying, okay, I'm ready to, to, to stay on the bandwagon. But um, And I've still predicted that he's going to win a major at some point this year. He's just that good. I, and I, I don't see new equipment bothering him that much. But it's an interesting play for this week, especially DFS-wise, where uh, it's going to be tough to differentiate from everybody else in a 42-man field that's pretty top-heavy uh, with the the best players in there. So um, it's an interesting thought. I, I want to go a little bit lower and talk about a few other guys here. Uh, my original pick to win this week, who won two years ago, he was uh, second, lost in the playoff last year, Xander Schauffele. It was reported this week that he is just coming off COVID. He is just over it enough that he is testing negative and he's able to play this week, so that's not a worry. But so he's still a little tired, still kind of getting over it. So it's not enough for me to go from loving him this week to hating him, but I've dropped him down just a notch or two. And then a guy just below him on the board at, uh, I believe, uh, around 18 to 1 right now, Patrick Cantley is a guy who uh, I've elevated into my favorite spot as far as outright bets are concerned. Xander, you know, hard to say how much to weight that. Uh, love Xander, great course for him. I think he's going to have an awesome 2021 uh, it's great. We have all these guys outside of Rory. We have the the best players. And I, I think Xander uh, more so than anyone else, maybe Cantley, um, but I think Xander can kind of creep into that conversation with like the top six for a while. I thought it was definitely J- DJ, JT, Rom, Rory. I think you have to include Bryson after what he did last year. And Xander's probably the sixth best player. Yeah. Uh, it's been two right years there. since he won a golf tournament though. I know. Which is crazy, four weeks. Which is yeah. crazy, but he's consistently been there. Obviously I've been bullish on Morikawa. You like Cantley, Patrick Reed's played great at times. Webb Simpson, uh, Matsuyama, who are all in the field out of all those names. I'm probably most interested in Matsuyama, but uh, you know, I think it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say, like you can't have conviction saying I for sure think, you know, Matsuyama is a way better play than Patrick Reed. This is where we are going to gain some information. And I think specifically for DFS, I'm looking for all those spots where, yeah, maybe I think a guy's slightly worse, but it's so marginal. And if you can get him much lower owned, I think that's great. And I think that's what John Rahm is relative to JT and DJ. And out of this next year, it's figuring out who's going to be low owned. I would have really loved Xander without the COVID thing, but I do think that's worth noting. And uh, from a line movement perspective in this group, Hideki's really moved. And then the other guy that I think is really interesting when you get into the next tier uh, of like Morikawa, Berger, Hovland, Finau, Hovland is really starting to move, which is a testament to how well he drove the ball last year. And I do think this is a really good course. What are your thoughts on, on, on Hovland, who early, we're recording this Monday night, he has shown some significant line movement. Yeah, obviously played really well, culminating in that win at the end of the uh, fall part of the schedule. And so he, he's coming in hot, but it's tough to be hot when you haven't played in a month. And right. so um, I don't know that I'm necessarily buying Hovland the way the rest of the market is. Uh, I, do I dislike him? No, absolutely not. Is he one of my favorites up there? No, I wouldn't really say that 
either. So, you know, I'm just kind of lukewarm on Hovland this week uh, in relation to the market. Uh, a couple of points I wanted to make on some of the things you said. First of all, I mentioned that Cantley is my favorite, and I mentioned off the top that I'm looking for guys who are going on a business trip and not going on vacation. I'm not sure, and I mean this as a compliment, but I'm not sure there's anyone more serious, more intense about their professional career than Patrick Cantley. And that's not to besmirch the good name of a Justin Thomas or a John Rahm, who uh, I think certainly are included in that conversation. But I'm telling you, Patrick Cantley is not sitting by the pool, lounging around, going paddleboarding this week. Patrick Cantley is there to do a job. And that attitude is what's needed to go out and compete and contend and potentially win this golf tournament. I think it was at this tournament, and I agree with you. I've heard all, he's a super hard worker, seems very focused, but didn't he have the audio last year about the Mai Tai? Uh, and and yes. why, like at the last hole, he's like, oh, we got to get to that. Like some, some, I don't remember the exact word. I just remember him making the Mai Tai, and I was like, oh, that's cool that he said that because, you know, Cantley just seems like someone who's just very serious. And, and I, I think even Jack Nicholas and some of these guys who really know Patrick well talk about how he's so serious and he can almost benefit, honestly, yeah. from just like kind of toning it down. So, I was, I was, you know, there's that fine line between maximizing, but then also not stressing yourself out about all this stuff, right? Well, I'm having a little deja vu because I brought up Cantley on our radio show, Hitting the Green on SiriusXM's PGA Tour channel. Uh, earlier in the day, we're taping this on Monday night and we have our show Monday afternoon. And my co-host, Michael Collins said, you know, Hey, Kelly was the one that, you know, they, the audio was heard where he said, I want to go get a Mai Tai after this. And I said, Oh man, you know, that's right. I'm sort of not making fun. You know, certainly wasn't making fun of Kelly. I'm just saying he's a serious guy and not there to party and hang out and have vacation. Well, apparently according to Collins, Kelly doesn't even drink. And that was kind of the joke that he was making was like, you know, he won't, he won't touch a Mai Tai. And so he was kind of joking about it. And so, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. And, you know, I certainly don't want to speculate on whether he's going to have a Mai Tai this week, but I certainly hope he tries one. Um, uh, I have done that in the past. I've tried the Mai Tais there and I, I recommend them to everyone who's at the tournament this week. So uh, the other name that you mentioned there uh, in that sort of second tier Colin Morikawa, I think a lot of people jumped off late last year. He just kind of seemed a little tired. Won his first major uh-huh. championship. I mean, went through, you know, that's a long year for a guy who had not played a full year as a professional golfer before then. So uh, I just think he's got to be a little refreshed, a little recharged, should be a really good course for him. And so I can imagine that maybe not so many people, especially in DFS, are on Colin Morikawa as they would have been if this was held in, say, October last year so. Uh, I do kind of like Morikawa, and um, and then we can move kind of into that that mid tier again. I, I'm not going chasing too much, at least for outright type bets. But I think that mid tier, there's some value. Cameron Smith is a guy that I like a lot. He was super hot at the end of last year, culminating with the uh, runner up at the Masters. Too. Cameron Smith won in Hawaii to beat our friend Brendan Steele. Unfortunately, I mean yes, I was loving Cameron Smith, but was rooting for Steely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's something about Aussies playing in the dead of our winter, which is their summer, whether it's body clocks or biorhythms. I mean, it, it shouldn't really make sense other than like his body is adjusted to this being the middle of the summer for him and being like in regular season form, if that makes sense. Sure. No, I mean, any, like I agree. And at this point in time, you know, when we don't have data, it's just, you know, we're looking for anything and, and, and it's (laughs) like, Obviously, we have last year's stats and we can make them, but short-term form is a huge part of predicting golf and we don't have short-term form. So uh, I like your Morikawa call because I think that's a perfect example of someone 
who just wasn't as crisp. It's not like he totally fell off, but you know, he went from the second best iron player when he won the major, he drove the ball. Awesome. Uh, was really just hot for a while. And his ball striking fell off a little bit and PJ tour is so competitive. If you know, you're not on your B or a game as like a really good golfer, you're going to have some average results. And that was that, that's what we saw. And I certainly love the bounce back for him. And yeah, the Aussie angle is, is really interesting. Anybody else off the beaten oh. path a little bit that you're looking at? Oh, you're shaking your head. Yeah. You're, you're not your head. You, the best you value on the board. Uh, you want to make one guess? Mid to mid to late odds. I think he, he was like 25 to 30 range. And now he's like in terms of like overall pricing. And now he's probably top 20 in terms of outright odds. It's going to be Sebastian Munoz, isn't it? I love Munoz. He's the other guy I love, but no, it's not Munoz. That's a great guess. Thought I had it. Carlos Ortiz, who's now okay. moving pretty heavily in some of these markets that I'm looking at. I haven't pulled up his bet MGM price. And I, and I certainly am not advocating for an outright on, on Carlos Ortiz. However, I think he's a really interesting, like top five, top 10 bet potentially. Oh. And someone that uh, in DFS makes a lot of sense to me. I was really impressed with him and uh, his stats really improved from a data perspective. And I, I think he's someone who's going to end up, uh, you know, winning four or five times, hopefully more on the PJ tour, which says a lot given uh, where we are now in terms of just, uh, you know, the PGA tour. And it's not like he's super long, but average over 300 yards off the tee gain distance towards the end was kind of like that top 50 range uh, in the last quarter of the season. So I'm interested in Ortiz and the market moved on him. And I love Munoz. I think Munoz is mispriced. You've got me intrigued on Ortiz. I hadn't thought about him obviously, because I gave 19 guesses before you finally just gave me the answer to that. But uh, I like that. I'm intrigued by that. The one guy who's a little bit lower that I like this week, and again, not for outrights, but certainly for top tens and definitely for DFS where uh, you can differentiate a little bit, is Mackenzie Hughes. Ooh, and the like reason that. for that is that on this golf course with huge greens, these guys are going to wind up with a lot of 20, 25, 30-foot putts. It's going to happen. And most of the time, you're going to lag it to two feet. You're going to knock in a two-footer, and you can go on to the next hole. It's not going to be a big deal. Well, I'm not sure too many guys out there make as many 25-footers, especially on fast greens, as Mackenzie Hughes. He's a really good putter. Now, I don't know if he's been in Canada over the last month or so, and he's coming out to Hawaii cold. I I sort of think that he's a guy you might want to jump on if you can get live odds for a top 10 sort of after Thursday or Friday that he could move from 18th to 7th over the weekend when he starts to kind of warm up, maybe figuratively, maybe literally. But I do think that Mackenzie Hughes is a guy who can who can do a little damage this week. Really, really good putter, especially like I said on big fast greens. You know, don't have to sell me on Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, great story. And last name I'll mention. Well, actually, there's two names that uh, people aren't talking about as much. But one, the thing I'd most like to see, and I'm not necessarily bullish on him at his number because it's inflated a little bit. But I want to see Tony Finau like swinging faster and like hitting it farther this week that would be like, like that would really be cool to see because i'm rooting for finau and i of all the players on the pga tour that i think should embrace kind of what bryson's doing it's tony finau because he has as much natural power as any player on the pga tour and then scotty shuffler is the other guy who i think might get lost in the shuffle who is so hot there for a stretch and he you know we talked about xander could he move into the elite you know i mean he was elite but like they're really like who are the best players in the world. And like everyone starts bringing up their name. Scheffler is another guy who's in that mix that if he had a really good year, could be like, okay, Scotty Scheffler is like one of the best players in the world for sure. Yes, yes, yes. First of all, everyone 
and their fathers have already made the joke about this being the tournament of champions and Tony Finau hasn't won in five years. And this could be the week that Tony Finau actually wins. I think it's a, uh, it's a better punchline with Scotty Scheffler or Abraham answer who have never won. At least Tony's got a trophy sitting back at home from an alternate field event somewhere in Puerto Rico. But this is really one where it could get a little funny, a little strange, a little ironic if, uh, one of these guys that's never won before gives it a run. And those are two guys I like a lot. Answer's a guy that I like every single week he tees it up. Scotty Scheffler is a guy I like so much that I wrote a column this week for Action Network on the leap, guys who are going to move into the next echelon. I got a question for you when we get to five under in a minute here, our five questions in five minutes about your leap. But uh, one of the guys I have making a leap this year is Scotty Scheffler, and I think that he will make the U.S. Ryder Cup team, currently 24th on the points list. That might sound easier said than done, but there's a lot of good names up there. I just think he's going to have a really special year. He's a special talent. Yeah, I, like I, I, have, I think his upside is clearly like in the same. I, I think his upside is like kind of where Colin Morikawa got to last year, winning a major. I mean, he was right there. He was in the mix in a bunch of in a lot of big golf tournaments and played extremely well got really unlucky that you know he ran into some great golf at certain tournaments like dj in boston and you know there, there's a variety of spots where he could have easily won and i think he has the talent he has the pedigree he was an elite amateur so i think that's a really good call and yeah hopefully tony Finau wins i mean everyone's rooting for Finau. just big and putt 10 percent better and and if he just i mean we see the videos of him swinging 200 miles an hour uh or i'm sorry getting 200 miles an hour ball speed like Let's 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 see more of that, please. Give me the killer instinct. I mean, more than anything else, he, he's got the ball speed. He's got the he's got the talent. Obviously, give me the killer instinct. You know, Tony's almost it's almost like he's been too nice. I need Tony to be a little bit meaner out there and go out and, you know, sort of step on some throats this year. But I, I do. I've been saying it's going to happen for five years and I'm going to keep saying it's going to happen until it actually does. But I, I am a uh, I'm very bullish on Tony Fee now. Uh, this year and this week, certainly. I think this is a really good course for him. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. As mentioned, let's get to our five under. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is Five Under with Jason Sobel and Peter Jennings. I've got five questions for you, Peter. These are all centered around uh, what is going to be the year in golf. Let's start off with the first one. If it's not Dustin Johnson, let's take the number one player out of the mix, then who is going to be the 2021 PGA Tour Player of the Year? John Rahm. If I had to bet on someone not named DJ, it would be John Rahm. No holes in his game. He's a plus everywhere. Not too worried about the Callaway thing. And I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, I don't take any financial advice. But Callaway, uh, I've been watching just because of their acquisition of Top Golf, And uh, that's actually where I saw the first news about John Rom joining the team mm-hmm. was uh, looking at the Callaway stock. So go John Rom. Next question. Take the masters out. Which major venue 
of the other three are you most excited about? Of course, we've got Kiowa's Ocean Course for the PGA Championship. We've got Torrey Pines, the South Course for the U.S. Open, and Royal St. George's for the Open Championship this year for the first time since Darren Clark won in 2011. Which of the three are you most excited to watch a major championship on? Royal St. George's for sure. That was the one that we didn't have last year. I'm excited to just see that style of golf. And last year I got much more into the European tour and love some of the venues. And I watched a lot more Euro golf. I was playing a lot of DFS and uh, I'm excited to see that it's different. And and I have a, a higher appreciation than I did in the past. Actually, candidly kind of was always, you know, not turned off, but just like, ah, oh, these courses don't look great. They're brown. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't appreciate the history and, and kind of the different style of course. And I, I think I have a higher appreciation and especially without an open championship last year, I'm most excited for that. If you're making futures bets, by the way, I've written a piece on the Action Network on uh, futures bets for the majors this year. The Open Championship this year, uh, the last two at RSG, we've seen Ben Curtis and Darren Clark. Uh, there might be some uh, some long shot equity at the Open Championship this year. So if you're looking at futures, uh, might not recommend it so much for the Masters, where we usually see a really good player who wins every year. But Open Championship could be literally wide open this year. Okay, third question. This there's a lot of variables for this, so you can take it a lot of different ways. But I need one number. How many top tens for Tiger Woods this year? Hmm. Say two. I don't know how much he's going to play. I think the Masters is his best shot. I hope it's more. But his health, I mean, how cool. The coolest thing during the offseason for golf was with Charlie Woods, which is a huge story, and we don't have to get into it. But so cool to see. Always rooting for Tiger. Uh, the, the dream, the epitome of the dream is his backyard and his setup. But, man, that back is just – that is a real concern. And if I was setting a line, I'd probably set it at one and a half or two and a half. I'm not sure. Wow. I just think that it's going to, I mean, I think the PGA Tour is so great. I mean, how many events do you think he plays this year? 13-ish. I mean, that's that's another one. You could set the over-under, I guess, yeah, 12 and a half or so. I, it's tough to call. It's certainly tough uh, to name the top tens. I will say the one thing about Charlie now being into golf and playing and being uh, an up-and-coming player, we, we presume himself, is that maybe this will motivate Tiger to, first of all, want to play more when he's at home because he's playing with Charlie and playing a little competitive. And secondly, kind of show Charlie like what his dad's all about. I mean, I I'm sure Charlie's, you know, got onto his phone and looked up what his dad's done over the years and, and knows all the numbers, but just for him to see dad going out there and winning and uh, contending for, for tournament titles, I think would be pretty cool for him. Yeah, I totally agree. So happy they got him to see when the masters My my reason for pessimism is strictly the back. I'm the biggest tiger yeah. fan. Love where his game was at, but man, he just even with Charlie before. There's a couple sequences of him like swinging the driver, and like you know, you could tell his back was bothering him. And he's getting older too, so I hope it's best. We're all getting older. (laughs) But look at the PGA Tour. There's actually a really good article about how you know, and and a lot of guys are talking about Luke List. I was talking about it on the Subpar podcast, just about how everyone's getting younger and the trend is just all, you know, the average age of the PGA tour is now in the twenties. I mean, Tiger at 45 now is literally twice as old as many of the players who are ranked above him on the world ranking, which is just a a crazy kind of stat to look at. Uh, I mentioned a few minutes ago that I wrote my, uh, my column on the leap, which I've been writing every year for about 15, 16 years now. Uh, Give me one player that you think is going to break through this year, sort of into the next echelon. I think Sebastian Munoz is definitely the guy. Mm. 
it's also easier for him to kind of break from like the mid tier that the perception is into like that mid to top tier that I, I think he will ultimately be at. Um, you know, he's 98 to one uh, this year. My guess is he wins a PGA Tour event this year and uh, is in that 50 to one range for the same tournament next year. Okay, last question: Our five under the next 37 weeks will have 41 PGA Tour events. Over under, how many winners will we pick on this podcast? <laughs> I'll set the line at 16 and a half. We talk about a lot of guys, and it depends on how you qua- like quantify. Yes, I know. If you're betting outrights uh, and you're betting like just a couple a week, hopefully you hit like two or three every year. So I'm not. I, trying- I try not to be those guys, and I, you know. We all know who those guys are. Those guys who go on Twitter and they mention every player in the field and then go on Twitter on Sunday evening and say, well, if you were listening to our pod this week, you heard all about how much we like so-and-so. We, we didn't take any victory laps, especially when like JT and Rom won. And that, that's the thing. We taught like, oh, you know, on. we get into here's the favorites. Here's who we like with the favorites. And we kind of go by tier. Uh, and we're not, you know, so yeah, I, I think, I think we'll hit, we'll hit some winners this year, Jason but I do think we will hit some winners. So uh, speaking of trying to hit some winners, let's uh, get to our DFS lineup as we do uh, every single week here on the pod. We go through DraftKings, make a six-player lineup. We go back and forth. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him, and you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. All right. Well, I'm going to spend some money. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Patrick Cantley, uh, favorite play on the board. He proved just about two and a half months ago that he can uh, go toe to toe with the game's best. He beat John Rahm and JT down the stretch at the Zozo. Uh, he's played really well in his last few events. He was fourth here last year. And like I said, business trip. Cantley, lock him in at 9,800 this week. Okay. That's a, that's a strong one. Cantlay for sure uh, is another guy that could absolutely make the leap and uh, what a story he has. And uh, you mentioned Adam Scott. I think he's a really good DFS play. I don't think people really, he wasn't obviously missed a lot of the COVID swing and then came back and ball striking was really good. Uh, The putter's always a little bit of a question mark, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he comes in playing well. I do worry about Adam Scott, you know, not, you know, grinding just because given how much success he's had and kind of the focus on family, but uh, I think he might be low owned because of that. And specifically because there's some names around him uh, that could soak up some ownership. I think walking Neem we didn't talk about uh, Sung Jay started to play well down the stretch. Uh, there's a lot of guys in the mid eights. So uh, I think Adam Scott might uh, be overlooked from a DFS perspective. There are a few big names who I thought last year didn't quite handle playing golf during a pandemic the way some others did. And that is through no fault of their own. That's not criticism. That's just, look, you know, maybe they're a little more socially conscious. Maybe they're uh, just thinking of their families a little more. Maybe it just felt weird to be out there with no fans. But I I put Rory McIlroy in that mix, and he was very vocal about not having the energy of the fans to feed off of. I put Tommy Fleetwood in that mix, who certainly didn't have a Tommy Fleetwood kind of year last year. And Adam Scott played only six times post uh, post the COVID break and didn't finish in the top 20 in any of those six. So uh, I do think that Adam Scott is due for a little comeback year. He's 40 years old now. 
Um, I, I do worry a bit about his motivation, but just the fact that he's playing yeah. this week for the first time since 2014, going back to Kapalua, I think that's a really good sign for those who are backing Scott. So we're going to put him in there at 8,100. Uh, guy that I mentioned earlier, we were spending some money already and I want to get us back to saving some money. So guy that I mentioned, I think he's one of the best putters out there. I hope that he's warmed up already if he has been spending time over the holidays in Canada, but uh, Mackenzie Hughes, uh, I can't wait to see that putter on these greens. I think he's going to play uh, really well this week. Perfect. 6,800. Well, I was going to save some money too, and we'll, we'll get some money back by both these picks. I'll go Carlos Ortiz. I think it's a value. I went Adam Scott to be clear. I do not think he is a cash game consideration, at least right now. Um, that is strictly an ownership play. I would play it, but, and that's what you really have to do this week. 42 golfers, no cut, leave money on the table and make those decisions that don't feel as good because, you know, there's a little less equity than someone around their price because you really need to nail ownership this week to give yourself a good shot to win these tournaments. Yeah. So yes. Ortiz is the opposite of that. I think Ortiz might end up being a little bit chalkier just given the line movement, but I really like it from an equity standpoint. Okay. I like that. We've got 18,200 left for our last two players. I'm between two guys who are priced a hundred dollars away from each other. I've mentioned them both so far. Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa. I'm going to go with Finau. Uh, I just think it's such a good course for him. I, it, if you had said, no, I want Morikawa, I would easily switch back. But uh, I think Finau is going to play really well. I see uh, it could be another top five Tony kind of week. I mean, maybe he doesn't win, but I just don't see him playing poorly on this golf course. Well, perfect. I will take on Morikawa. Leave five All right, then. Because I was already eyeing Morikawa. <laughs> uh, and the fact that you brought him up is perfect. I think Morikawa is a great buy low guy. Um, listen, I think Colin of all the guys out there is the right combination of like age, hunger, you know, success. He just has all the the pieces, a great head on his shoulders, seems highly motivated, obviously very smart, uh, and just has a game that should age really well. So uh, I think Morikawa is a guy that, you know, the the secret got out um, once the COVID swing started. You're not getting Morikawa 50, 60 to 1 in these tournaments like you could for you know, the 2019 season, but uh, he's starting to move back that other direction. I think it's a, a, the right time after the break to buy some more Kawa. We have 500 on the table, which I really like. And I was just about to mention that Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, Mackenzie Hughes, Colin Morikawa, Carlos Ortiz, and Adam Scott, and leaving 500 on the table, which especially for uh, tournament plays this week, I think is very important. Peter preaches about that all the time. You can find all his models on Fantasy Labs, as always, doing some great work over there. And uh, what else is going on new for Fantasy Labs uh, for people who are just checking it out and maybe getting into golf a little bit more this year now that football's over and uh, maybe they use Fantasy Labs for football? What can they find there for golf this year? Yeah, it's amazing for uh, building multiple lineups. That's what we've really worked on over the last year as our optimizer and uh, super proud of it. Had a, a lot of success with it this last year. And you can stack tee times. Obviously, that's not relevant for this week, but. Uh, there's a variety of things that you can do with correlations. We have all the strokes gain data now in the models too. So we have adjusted round data as well as strokes gain. So if you're into that stuff, which I think is super helpful for predicting golf, we're proud of everything that we're delivering at the Action Network. And I couldn't be more excited about uh, the Gimme and PGA Tour. And, you know, even Golf Digest is writing just about how, you know, big golf gambling's getting. And uh, obviously you and I have uh, shared that, that sentiment and uh, it's fun to see it come to fruition. I think 2021 is going to, build on the success we saw in 2020 
it's so weird. You know, you and I have been doing this for a while now and you know, it seems like everyone wants to get into the golf and betting space. I, you know, never would have seen that coming. Whoa. Uh, Pete, thanks so much. Uh, good luck to you uh, for the century tournament of champions this week. Good luck to everybody out there. Uh, you can catch the gimme this week and every week, Wednesday, 8 30 PM Eastern time. And it'll still be live on social uh, through Thursday's opening tea time. Good luck to everybody out there. And here's hoping you hit the green. We're finished talking.